0: you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Each day on the I Work For Him Show, we try to focus our discussions on things that will challenge you to change the way you think about workplace ministry and your life in Christ. Today is no different. Today we're talking about God- is the issue and what that really means. Wait do you find out what that's really all about. We're talking about God is the issue, which also happens to be the title of a book written by our guest, Brad Bright with Bright Media Foundation. Brad, welcome to the
1: I Work For Him show. Gentlemen, it's great to be here. I'll tell you what, I'm already excited just listening to you. Your voice is like, okay, okay, I'm ready to go. Let, let's go. <laughs> well, let's go. All we need is a mountain dew between the two of us. We'd really be in good shape.
0: You know, Brad, I, I you you come from a very you've got an incredible legacy that has been laid on on your shoulders and uh, not everybody not everybody will know. Not everybody listening to the show today is gonna know what the significance of the last name Bright is. But your father, Bill Bright, you know, has founded Campus Crusade for Christ. I don't even know how many years ago. I know it was before I was born, probably. How many years ago was that? Nineteen fifty one. So yeah, what's so, that?
1: Sixty three years ago.
0: Yeah, long time. A lot longer than before you and I were born. Okay. <laughs> so so God laid that on his heart. You grew up in that household. And it's amazing because you see a lot of, of sons and daughters of pastors and of preachers and of people that led religious organizations, for lack of a better term. They don't turn out so good. Mm-hmm. But you seem pretty good. Like, like, well, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, but I've run into a lot of people that had that embittered them. And so it's amazing to me that, uh, not amazing, but it is truly an, an evidence of the work of God in your father's heart, your mom's heart, and in your heart. And I know you, had siblings, you have siblings as well, right? I have right? an older
1: brother. He's a pastor out in L.A., yeah.
0: So, is there any family running Campus Crusade anymore, or did that pass on to somebody else?
1: When no, no, that went on to Steve Douglas. Steve was my dad's second hand, second hand his lieutenant, whatever you want to call it, for years. Uh, served faithfully, and uh, Dad had told me back when I was in college that if anything ever happened to him, there was in a uh, safety uh, safety deposit box at the bank instructions of what to do, and that Steve, he's recommended to the board that Steve would be the next president, even way back then. So Steve, I mean, you have to understand, Steve graduated from Harvard with an MBA, top 2% of his class. But the thing about Steve is he has a heart to match, Mm -hmm. you know, spiritually sold out to Jesus Christ. So So your dad dad had no doubts. Your dad and him were on the same page. He was, and I, you know, I went into politics all those early years. I I didn't think I was going to be in ministry at all. So... My mom and I breathe easy having Steve Douglas at the helm of Crusade. It's just like, okay, we don't have to worry about Crusade. It's a good hands, guy who looks to Jesus for his guidance. When you said as we were preparing
0: for the show that there's now over 27,000 employees, full-time employees with Campus Crusade for Christ, that's an incredibly large organization, and, and that's a legacy, but that's when you see that there's a God hand in it, because no nonprofit could be that big,
1: that impactful, without God's hand being in it. Well, no, without God's leading guidance, direction, all all the above. And it's not just 27,000 full-time staff. It's 250,000 fully trained volunteers. And that usually means they're giving 20 hours or more a week around the globe. I mean, what God has done is... Phenomenal. Hmm. So you grew up in that household, so life was normal as you grew up. You yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was it's for normal, me. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. but you were in a spotlight all the time. What, what I want to talk today about what God's laid on your heart. But before we do, I really want to hear, as I, as I do with every guest on my show, share with my listeners today how Christ is making an impact in your life today.
1: Well, actually, before we go there, I'm going to okay. say one thing about okay. why I'm here today. Okay, Why I'm walking with God today. It was because of Bill Bright's life. Not his words. As a son, as a son can easily discount their dad's words, can't discount their life. Bill Bright was the real thing. I saw it worked, and you can't deny that as a son, because I was too close not to see it. No, you see so the real. You, you see, see the, the real re- thing. And I'm afraid many times kids tube, tube out, not always, but because there's, there's a disconnect between words and actions. And I don't want to be critical of anyone, but I'll tell you what, if you're going to be in the ministry make sure it's coming from your heart, not just your head, because your kids will see through it. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. I always told my kids, I said, listen, I'm going to screw up. I'm just not afraid
0: to say I'm sorry. You know, transparency <laughs> and word. vulnerability are two of my core values, and, and that is that is why. Because I I understand what it means. Uh, I, I, I've seen it lived out so many times, people that are you know Christians in head knowledge and not in heart, and I see the damage on their children. Oh. Oh. And I wanted my kids to see I'm real, but I still love the Lord. I mean, that, that's really what that was. Okay, so now I answer the question. How's Christ making an impact
1: on your life today? Well, you know, the thing that's the past 10 years, what God has really been drilling into my heart is how important it is for me to understand his attributes. You know, my entire life, you know, I heard, I heard my dad say the most important thing to teach another believer is the attributes of God. Now, this is a guy that's known for four spiritual laws, for the Jesus evangelism discipleship, how many people knew that Bill Bright said the most important thing for the believer to understand is the attributes of God? i have never had heard that. Yeah, I mean who has? And yet that's what I heard him say my entire life from start to finish. And here's why, though. Here's why it's so important. Because you can't can't trust someone you don't know. And the spirit the, the Christian life is a trust relationship. Mm-hmm. So if you can't trust God, Christian life doesn't work. How many Christians do I run across who, who in one way or another say, "Yeah, it's not working for me? <laughs> yeah. And I say, have you taken time to really drill down into God's attributes, study them, and ask the so what questions? Okay, God's holy. So what? God loves me. So what? God doesn't, it never changes. So what? I'll tell you what, if you'll drill down into them and ask the application questions, it will change your life. People, I hear people say, I've got to fix myself in order to please God. And I say, you can't fix yourself. You can, if you could fix yourself, why did Jesus have to die? Why? <laughs> Very It, 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 it annuls Jesus' death. There's only one thing you can fix, and it's your view of God. And I promise you, as you do, you'll wake up one day and go, wow, I've changed. Hmm. See, you cannot change your view of God and come to understand him more nearly for who he is and not change in response. I don't think it's possible.
0: No, I, I agree. I mean, you, you can't argue with that at all. And so I love that the four attributes of God and it really it's understand the the trust thing, because that is a big deal, because most people do what you say. It's not working for me. I love the way you just said that, because that's really what is going going with this. People's really struggle because they think that Christianity is all about them and and how it's supposed to make them feel. (laughs) and, And 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 that's when I know that they haven't read their Bible. Because if they read their Bible, then they know that Jesus said, Christianity is not really all about you, by the way. You could die for this. You know, your mother and father might hate you for this. Your children might turn you into the police for this. I mean, it's not about
1: you. It's about Christ. Well, Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. If you seek to lose your life on for my sake, you'll gain it. Right. I mean, that flies in the face of the current culture that's all about me and my rights and what I want and my happiness. Which brings it
0: back to God is the Issue, God which is, is what issue. we're going to talk about. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about your book, God is the Issue, and, and what kind of an impact that is really making in society uh, and 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 where people can get the book and all that kind of stuff. We're talking today with Brad Bright with Bright Media Foundation about his book and the problem in our country, God is the Issue. we got Jim and Mark, Martha Brangenberg in here today, hosting with Brad Bright. What a privilege, Brad. Welcome back to the I Work For Him show. It's great to be here with you. I hope you still say that at the end of the show. (laughs) I hope I do, too. All right. So (laughs) you've got,
1: before we get into your book, I want to talk, you've got Bright Media Foundation. What is that all about? Well, Bright Media is actually an affiliate of, of Campus Crusade for Christ, now known as Crew in the U.S., Uh, We set it up before my dad passed away to really continue to keep his works out there, much like Andrew Murray or any of these writers. But my view on it it really is this, is to help other people, especially believers, view God the way Bill Bright viewed God so that they can see God do what Bill Bright saw God do. I mean, that is in a nutshell about what we're trying to do.
0: So it's kind of like what Ryan Dobson has done for uh, Jim Dobson's old legacy series. Ryan's in charge. Yeah, of they're
2: working together and and redoing some of his old projects that still are very relevant in today. So, all
0: right. So you've written a book. God is the issue. That's a, I have you, people can't see a shaking your head that's right you <laughs> got it. this is radio not TV this. that's you know, right you, uh, you mean
1: your right audience can't see me shake your head that's right does? they cannot okay. not, we're,
0: doing, we're not doing webcasting Okay. alright so because of your written a book it's time for us to do our book highlights segment brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Karis Christian Books and Gifts have been part of the Largo community for over 29 years, located in the center of First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks on Almerton Road in Largo. There are 2,400 square foot stores open to the public. How many days, honey? Seven days a week. That's right. Check them out online at shopcaris.com. That's shop, C-H-A-R-I-S dot com. If you want to win a copy of today's book, you need to be the first and second caller. We've got two copies to give away of Brad's book, God is the Issue. All you got to do is call into the studio line eight five five two six five twenty nine twenty nine eight five five two six five two nine two nine. So the name of the book is
1: "God Is the Issue." The author is Brad Bright. Okay, go ahead and describe your book in thirty seconds or less. Is to help people reframe the issue. I mean, you know, so many times we're confronted with issues and we don't know how to engage or we engage with our finger in the air saying, stop it. A quick example, what the book is to help people frame the issue. I no longer say that abortion's wrong. I no longer say same-sex marriage is wrong. I no longer say racism wrong is wrong. In fact, there's nothing wrong with those things unless the God of the Bible actually exists. What have I done? I have moved the conversation to the, from the symptom to the cause because people will go, well, well, what does that have to do with it? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Now let's have a real conversation about a causal issue rather than about a, a spitting match about a symptom.
0: We're going to pick that conversation back up in a minute, but if you want to get a copy of Brad's book, God is the Issue, you need to call into the studio line, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. And remember, you need to read this book. Don't wait for the movie. And we're back in the studio with Brad Bright and my wife, Martha. We're talking about God being the issue, and I love the way you just verbalized that. You know, abortion's not wrong, homosexuality's not wrong, or same-sex marriage, or whatever you want to say. Same-sex marriage's not wrong, racism's not wrong, except if the God of the Bible exists.
1: That's the way you say it. It's, a, it's God's existence that is the dividing line. If God doesn't exist, the morality's a fairy tale, just like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Period. I mean morality makes no sense in any sort of absolutist form if god doesn't exist. I would agree. It's a total waste of time. Why live is, a gr- why live a, why live in morality if there's no end game? Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it is inane to think that I should behave if god doesn't exist. I really should be self-centered, getting everything I can, cramming it into one lifetime before I'm gone. So how do we really find out how we view God? Oh, I already know the answer to that question. You've got a spot
0: on your website, um, and, it, and it goes out to a link. Well, I don't know. How do you <laughs> want to say I, it? I mean, I love this. Your view of God. It's viewofgod.com. What do you think about God? That was a link off of your site, uh, bradbright.com, right? It, yeah, after bradbright.com
1: or discovergod.com. Okay. Either one.
0: Okay. So, and and in this, they could take a little test. So you can go to viewofgod.com, viewofgod.com and take this quiz, what do you think about God? And it's just a link to quick to
1: click on and it actually just asks you uh, 10 questions. It's 10 questions. It's it's very simple quiz, but but let me tell you something. It's actually based on a study by Baylor University from 2006, it was probably a 4 or 500,000 dollars study in-depth study. In which they said, if we know your view of God, we can predict how you'll come down on all the social issues, moral issues, a lot of the economic issues. We can even predict how you'll vote. And I said, what? You can predict all of that simply from having this little grid of how a person views God? They said, yes. So I met with them. I said, can we turn this into a little 10-question quiz that is just as predictive? They said, we don't know. Seven weeks later, they called me back excited, and they said, Brad... It works. Let's do it. And then Dr. Byron Johnson at Baylor said, we know no one's ever done anything like this before in history. So what this is, it's a fun quiz, but it really can get you to engage in a process and the conversation of asking, why is my view of God important? How do I really view God compared to most Americans? Most Americans, 95% of Americans have one of four views of God, either as uh, benevolent, as, as a judge as a, more of a balance between what do we call a judge with a heart or as a detached view of God your view of God will drive your, your world view it'll drive your views on all the, all the ideological issues, it'll drive the way you vote it'll drive a lot of your economic thinking it's fascinating.
2: So there's an outcome of those four? Is that what it measures?
1: Yes. Okay. There, there is a specific outcome.
0: It creates this neat little chart, which I have right here in front of me, which I, I, I went through. I'm like, I'm going to test it. I'm going to answer the questions. I mean, the questions are, are pretty decent. Uh, um, what do you think God is like? And uh, then you answer these questions. Uh, is he concerned with the well-being of the world? Is he angered by my sin? Is he involved in the affairs of the world? Is he concerned with my personal well-being? Is he angered by human sin? Is he directly involved in my affairs? And you're answering those questions, strongly disagree, just like the people that call you at night or during dinner and ask these questions. Strongly disagree, all the way up to strongly agree. And then you ask this question, how well do the following words describe your view of God? Then you're answering this, not at all, all the way up to very well. And this, so on your view of God, do you, it's uh, do you view God as punishing, severe,
1: ever-present, and wrathful? Yeah, it's fascinating. Some of the questions you see are geared more to the intellect, and some are geared more to... An emotional response. But I'm not I'm neither emotional Okay, Martha's in the studio so I can't get away with that one. I'm very
0: emotional and I'm certainly not an intellect, but it worked perfect for me because it comes out with this Go ahead, I interrupted you. I apologize. (laughs) I was
1: trying to argue that point. I just totally stepped all over that one. Here's the thing about it. Why it's so much fun is it it, it drives conversation. I did it with a bunch of, about 100 of our staff one time. I said, everybody take the quiz. I am not going to answer any questions. You've got to take it. No questions to me until you're done. And I said, I'm going to show you something, why it's such a great engagement tool. And so, you know, I could tell them take, them. they were going I could tell some people wanted to ask questions. And I said, no. Everybody asked to finish. I said, everybody done? I, was, okay. I said, okay, go. Room was bedlam. No time at all, because everybody wanted to talk about how they viewed God and why. Because you not only have the intellectual questions in there, you have the visceral questions. That is the emotively geared questions, because we're all made up of intellect and emotion. I learned, you know, my freshman year, after freshman year of college, I sold books door-to-door. And I learned if I didn't make a cell both on the intellectual level and the the emotional level, I would never make the cell. And I've never forgotten that. I realized we are intellectual and emotional people combined, and this quiz really drills into both parts of of the human uh, uh, mind and heart. So it's fun. There's probably
2: not a lot of people that have had that kind of an analytic done about something so personal, you know, Mm -hmm. about how they and they've maybe not even thought about how they view God. And so that really gets them probably challenged in their own life as well.
1: Yeah, and this isn't about judging you for your view of God. Mm-hmm. It's allowing you to have a mirror to see, oh, this is how I see God, and especially relative to, to most Americans. And, and you can go in and see, okay, I fall into this percentage group, and it falls here. What's fascinating, though, is there is a difference in the way men and women come out on the quiz. If a man comes in, falls into the benevolent category... I know he's been heavily influenced by the whole tolerance mentality of our culture. If a woman falls in the benevolent category, what I realize is she so deeply feels the mercy and love of God Hmm. that that influenced her decision. We see that consistently. So as a woman, when you fall on top of the benevolent category, I'm fine with that. I understand that. how (laughs) often have you used this
0: in a secular environment to be able to get these kinds of answers?
1: Well, it's, you know, I have it on a little business card size, the quiz. And I'll hand it out wherever I go. I'll go to the bill boys and say, here, take some of these Friday night. You know, go get some of your friends together. I mean, these guys that are just obviously out there. said, get some of your friends together. Go get some beer and pizza. And you guys take the quiz and, and talk about it. Well, it's to get their conversation going. Here's what I learned in politics. If I ask the question, I control the outcome. If I can get, if I can start asking the question, who is God and why does it matter in your life today, I'm going to get some weird answers at first. But if I keep asking the right questions, eventually people are going to start moving the right way. This quiz is all about asking the right questions and getting that conversation started that we don't normally have. Mm-hmm. And it's a fun way to get the conversation started. Because what happens when you see people take the quiz, Try. I'll give you a few, go out in the next few weeks, and when you play, you get someone to take a quiz in front of you. Before they're done answering the first 10 questions, they're going to start saying, "Well, you know why I view God this way." They're going to want to uh-huh. engage you, and I always say, "Okay, I-, I want to have that conversation. I really do, but I want you to finish it, plot your thing on the graph, and then we'll have the conversation." And by the time they're done, they're they're just they're wanting to talk because I don't want it to make it about whether they're right or wrong. I want to engage the right question: that is, who is God and why does it matter?
0: Mm, that's powerful. You know, the results of the quiz. Uh, uh, you can end up with four different sectors. I mean, it comes out with a graph chart. You can print it out. It was It's very, very interesting. But you got to go out to the website, viewofgod.com, viewofgod.com, and you can get there from bradbright.com, bradbright.com. All right, so when we come back, I really want to get into the book, which I said that the last time. But <laughs> I'm not doing this tease on purpose. I just got lucky, I guess. But I want to get into the, the, the book because I really want to talk about how you know, God is the issue. And I had that conversation with one of my bosses six years ago, and really the issue was Jesus. She didn't have a problem with God, but when it came into who God really was, Jesus, that was the delineating factor. She could not handle that reality, that 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 narrow view. You mentioned on the last segment of the show that... um yeah, I, I just love the way you framed it. First of all, I want to clarify your website, because people need to know where they can go take that test. Is it bradbright.org or com?
1: No, it's viewofgod.com. Okay, but they can get there from your Bradbright. From bradbright.org. Bradbright.org. Com is an artist or something like that. <laughs> bradbright.org is the one you want to go okay, to. Okay, so bradbright.org,
0: <laughs> and then, or they can also just run right to the website viewofgod.com. They can take this quiz, but you've and, and it's, it is a fascinating conversation starter, and that's what I wanted to Get back to it. I want people to walk away today with something very, very practical. You said that you sometimes start conversations with, you know, there's nothing wrong with abortion. Or you said that you, no longer do you tell people that abortion is wrong and uh, gay marriage is wrong and racism is wrong. Unless the God
1: of the Bible really exists. Exists. Because I want to have the conversation about who is God and why does it matter. I don't want to have a spitting match over the symptoms. And without the bigger bigger context, all it is is a spitting match. A
0: spitting match over the symptoms. That I love. And that's really what it is. I mean, our world continues to degrade because of the denial of the existence of God and us keeping compartmentalizing God. We keep compartmentalizing God. Well, we don't really want him in our marriages. We don't really want him in our schools. We don't really want him in media. We don't really want him in our churches. I mean I think we've
1: gotten to that point. Uh, we have although it's not so much we deny the existence of God, we regard God as irrelevant. You know, 63% of millennials think of God as irrelevant to their to the, to their life. And here's why. It's because they grew up going to public school and a public school it teaches that God is irrelevant to to their lives. You say no it doesn't. Yes it does. And here's how how I know. When you have math do they talk about how God's relevant to math? No. Way. no. Relevant to history? No. Rele- relevant to uh, literature, no. Relevant to science, no. See, they teach that God is irrelevant because they don't ever talk about God in any of these contexts. And so the average student grows up thinking, oh, God's not relevant to any of these areas of my life. And so I can live life without any reference to God in my life. Public education teaches children that God is irrelevant. but the reason That's that where pe- they get it from.
0: But the reason that people deny the existence of God is a lot of times out of convenience because they deny his existence because admitting that God exists then admits that there's moral absolutes. There's right and wrong. And if they admit that there's right and wrong, then they have to look at themselves and recognize the wrong that they're doing, so it makes them very uncomfortable
1: and feels guilty. So as long as they they deny the existence of God, then they don't have any guilt. Well, you and I in our generation, that's the dynamic, but not in the millennial generation. The millennial generation doesn't believe something's true unless it works. Mm. I can go and give you every evidence and proof for the existence of God, and if you're 25 years old, you're going to look at me with, your eyes are going to glaze over. And it's, it's going to bounce off you, and it's not going anywhere. But when I, when I talk to you about, you know, it works, and this is how it works, all of a sudden they're sitting forward because they want to know if something works, especially works for them.
2: You know, this is an interesting conversation to transition into why we have I work for him and trying to help teach people that bringing Christ into your workplace every day of your life, not just on Sundays. If these I never thought about this before, but if the millennials have been taught that during the school week, God is irrelevant, that. There, that's why there may be separation in that generation of why would I ever bring God to work because God is a Sunday God, you know, if at all. Yeah. If, I, and and that may be a whole other question because I know we're, we've talked about that with uh, the millennials and the struggle with the you know, the traditional church setting mm-hmm. anyway. But for them to not see any evidence of God in their school day. Where, why would they see any evidence of God in their workday? So I think we really have our work cut out for us, I guess is what that just affirmed, that that that's another disconnect.
1: And the thing is, they're not anti-God. Mm-hmm. It's just God is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. They just don't see the relevancy of God to their life. They, they may be anti-church sometimes because mm-hmm. they've been hurt by people in church or by churches, but they're not anti-God by and large. They're just, I, I don't see the relevance to my life. Hmm.
0: So we got start change. We got to start reframing the argument, and that's really what you had said, because I, I, a lot of times people go, like, I'm not religious. I'm like, good. I'm not religious either. So I always use that to reframe the argument, because I don't want to talk about religion. I'm not interested in religion. Religion is all about money, power, and control. I want to talk about my savior, who is about absolutely loving us and dying for us. So, I mean, I try to reframe it that way, but you're saying that conversation won't even work with the millennials. We need to somehow show how it works. So if you use that intro, hey, I, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with abortion, there's nothing wrong with gay marriage, there's nothing wrong with racism unless the God of the Bible exists. How do you take that conversation then and and bridge it into a conversation where
1: you start talking about the relevancy of God? Well, then you start, you, you have the initial conversation, but then you say, can I, can I just kind of sh- talk talk about my own personal experience, can, take a couple minutes, so I can kind of help you see how that worked in my life? And that's when you can begin either giving your testimony or what God has done in your life recently. Like, uh, our, our daughter goes to a, a Christian school in Orlando, and we realized we didn't have the finances to send her back this year. I mean, we just did not have the finances to do it. And so I called the headmaster and said, you know, Bob, you know, Noel's been there every year, but we're not going to be able to send her back for a senior year. We're heartbroken, but we assume God is sovereign. He's in control. So what we'll, we'll do wherever we, as long as he's clear. We're, we're fine with that. The next day, the accountant from the school calls me and said, Brad, there's a couple that called me a week ago and said they want to pay for Noel's schooling this next year. They don't want you to know who they are. They're just going to cover it. You know, Kathy and I had been praying about this for three months, and we said, God, we think the best place for Noel is the Geneva School, but if you have a better plan, just be crystal clear. Well, you know, when you say, God, be crystal clear, and then God answers like that, that that's a conversation you can have with your next-door neighbor, Hmm. because all of a sudden they go, really? They can say that's coincidence, but that is a pretty severe coincidence, and the chronology is just, I mean, that's a huge coincidence. It That's amazing.
2: It. And to even have the relevance that they maybe knew a week ago, but it wasn't until you made the phone call and said, we're surrendering. We have definitively said mm-hmm. we need to just lay it out there. We don't think we can do it. And um, then for that to be revealed to you.
1: And, and sometimes we, we don't go to God with, our, with an open heart and say, God, I need you to be clear. Not with a mm-hmm. challenging heart, but with an open heart to say, God, whatever you want is fine. Just please be clear. I've been amazed as I prayed that prayer, how many times God just goes, Okay, now I'm going to be crystal clear. You asked, I'm going to be crystal clear. But
0: he never does. You, were praying, you said you were praying three months. He let you know, like, probably the day before school started. Oh, yeah, yeah, a week before school started. A week before school started. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that, that's sometimes where, you know, I run pretty fast and, and I struggle with the fact that I serve, you know, I, I live in a microwave world, but I serve a crock pot God. And that's not my original saying, but that is so true because God wants us th- to just wait on Him. Because he will provide. He knows exactly what we need. And I think probably the most powerful thing, what you just shared, was your daughter is never going to forget
1: that. No. But you see, that's been our lives because we have been deliberate about living our Christian life in front of our kids and putting it all out there. Either God, you show up, or this all drops to the ground. And the kids have seen that numerous, numerous times. You know, they've seen these examples. They've seen God act. What an incredible opportunity God has given us. Now then, I have to say, there have been moments we've been a little nervous about it. God, are you going to oh, show yeah. up or not? <laughs> but every single time he has, and our kids have seen it. Yeah. So it well, translates into their lives.
2: And taking that back to the workplace again, um, we have talked many times on the show about how you nobody can refute your testimony. Bingo. So going to work the next day and sharing that with a co-worker or a similar situation that somebody else might have and saying, you know what God did this weekend? And it's so clear. And they can't deny what happens in your life and how God is working. And that is exactly how you can be that testimony for those co-workers. It's
1: just talking about your story. And with this, the millennial generation, your story is the most powerful Mm -hmm. and most convincing tool, compelling tool you have. A friend of mine is an atheist. And we've been having a dialogue for 10 years. And finally, a few years ago, he came and he said, Brad, I really wish I could believe. Hmm. You know, it, he's he's making those steps. He's seeing it but we've been dialoguing for a long time. I'm not shy about it. I'll talk about God and sometimes I say, oh, I can't I can't handle any more of that now." I say, "Okay, let's talk about politics."
2: You know? <laughs> wow Your next favorite subject Violation exactly. yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: That's great Yeah my whole life Has been about The two things You don't talk about Around the dinner table Politics and religion You know as they say You know But those are the two things I love to talk about <laughs> Business <laughs> is pretty good I have A lot of my friends Are in business So I can talk about business But I have to tell you Politics and religion Those are the two things That that's get me scary.
0: going I would agree That those two things Get me going Get me in trouble will Get me going you know, I <laughs> you authentic
2: about it I am authentic <laughs> And
0: I also admit You know I'm an equal opportunity basher, though, because if there's people on both sides of the aisle that I can bash, I'll bash both so that they know I'm an equal opportunity basher. So (laughs) you mentioned earlier today that uh, we need to be salt and light. And um, you you meant, I love this, that salt prevents decay, but it was a a, a, it's a reactive
1: uh, manner. It's a it's defensive. And actually, salt doesn't prevent decay. It slows down decay Mm. to preserve it slows down decay. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus said to be salt and light, salt's a defensive tool, It's well, you know, you say stop it, stop the bad behavior. But you know, then we're still supposed to be light, and light, light comes in, and when light comes in, what happens? Darkness reacts to light, light doesn't react to darkness. Well, Jesus said it would be salt and light, then he modeled 90% light and 10% salt. Today I look around sometimes and I think a lot of believers, they're doing 90% salt and 10% light. Well, even, that's not the model Jesus gave us. I think we've given up on the salt and we've just gone to, I don't even know what we've gone to.
0: I mean, the, 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 we're not slowing the decay. The decay has gone rapid on us.
1: Oh, it is now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's continued to increase. Salt to preserve it, it slows it down. And that's the point. Unless we engage with light mm-hmm. and we engage the, the culture in a, in a conversation over who is God and why does it matter? We might as well go home and close the doors. And mm. Just wait for the end. All right, we've been talking about God is the issue, and really,
0: that is the issue in our culture. That 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 God has become to to some generations of our culture god has become irrelevant because we have failed to show relevancy in any sector of our society to other parts of our society we've demonstrated irrelevancy i mean we've actually demonstrated it the the church has become irrelevant um christians pathetic in their faith or maybe it's just head knowledge not heart knowledge have, have become irrelevant so how do we how do we shift this how do you see us shifting this conversation i mean i I loved the way you rephrased or reframed the issue and you said you you can start off a conversation with yeah nothing wrong with abortion there's nothing wrong with gay marriage there's nothing wrong uh with racism Mm, except if the god of the bible really exists you reframe the issue because all of a sudden you're like "Well, okay but if he exists then all of a sudden those things are wrong
1: exactly Exactly. You change the starting point of the conversation. It's like when Jesus, in you know, Matthew, when the Pharisees came to him and said, Oh, thou wise master, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Right? You answer that question, you're dead. Jesus said, show me a coin. They showed him a coin and he said, hypocrites. He didn't just say, show me a coin. He said, hypocrites, show me a coin. First of all, he called them hypocrites. He called them on the carpet for what they were. <laughs> they were being hypocritical. He said, show me a coin. He said, "Whose face on it? He said, Caesar's. He said, then render under Caesar what is Caesar's. At that point, he, would, he answered the question, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus wasn't interested in just answering questions. Jesus always, always had an agenda, and the agenda was to make God the issue. So he said, and render under God what is God's. Mm. You know, we can do that time and time and time again. When I was at the University of Washington, my third year or fourth year on campus, I can't remember, it was beginning of the school year. And we had a table set up outside all the dorms for students to come and sign up for Bible studies. So one kid came by. His name was Todd. And he said, I'd like to sign up. And the gal sitting there was a student. She said, well, that's great. He said, well, I'm gay. Is that a problem? She said, "Oh well, no, we'd love to have you as part of a Bible study. He said, really? He said, well, there'd be any problem with me leading a Bible study, seeing as I'm gay. She said, well, we believe the Bible's very clear about qualifications for leadership of the body of Christ, so you wouldn't be allowed to lead a Bible study. He said, I'm offended and stomped off. That was Wednesday. Thursday, front front page of the student newspaper, Campus Crusade for Christ, homophobic. Friday, lead editorial, Campus Crusade for Christ should be kicked off campus. Our team went, oh no. And I went, oh yeah. (laughs) And they looked at me like, are you nuts? I said, this is a phenomenal opportunity. Let's hijack the platform. So the next Monday, we handed out 10,000 flyers, all the major choke points at campus, just one sheet of paper folded in half on the front and big print that said, diversity in the university, circle around it with a slash through it, meaning an international sign for not on your life. Small paragraph that said, there's a small... A vocal minority on this campus. Again, I learned in politics, you never name your opponent. You, you leave them faceless. Small vocal minority on this campus talks about diversity and then tries to turn around and censor the content of other people's speech. Well, that's hypocritical. Let's see, where did I learn that from? Oh, yeah, Jesus used it about 20 times in the Gospels. That's hypocritical. It's un-American. It's unconstitutional. But it begs the question, what don't they want you to hear? Isn't it that dot, dot, dot? You open it up. God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. For so the next three months, we taught the students to do that, had phenomenal conversations about Jesus, never got, never got dragged into the conversation about whether homosexuality was right or wrong. At the end of those three months, with the, the, uh, head, the guy who headed up the editorial page of the student newspaper wrote an editorial in which he said, we've printed the best of our letters to the editor, et cetera, and they've never answered the question. And we hadn't. I didn't care about the question. The question was only a platform in my mind. It's just like Jesus. Jesus used every question as a platform to talk about who is God and why does it matter. I I just love the way you said that, because really that that is the issue.
0: They're all about diversity, yet they really don't want to hear anything diverse. It's only their agenda. As long as the diversity is what they want to have heard, that's okay. See,
1: but when it comes to context, I don't care about homosexuality. I could care less except for how it gives me a platform to talk about Jesus. It's not an issue I feel like I have to address today. The issue I have to address is who is Jesus and why does it matter? So how can I use that platform to talk about Jesus? And so many times we get baited in the trap and, and we get involved in a spitting match about a symptom rather than the cause. And that's a show we need to do. And
0: another show for another time. We need to talk to people about how not to get baited, how not to get drawn into argument and instead talking about the loving grace of our Savior. I mean, and that's, that's a conversation we gotta have, but I promise you some time to talk about your books. <laughs>
1: You've <laughs> you know, been promising we,
2: that for a long time. I know.
0: <laughs> we okay, can so
1: come got, back to that.
0: That's good. So you've, <laughs> you've got this book that you published, God is the Issue. Uh, they can get a copy of that. Of course, if they've called in today's show, you can get a copy at 855 265 No, how about I will give you the right number out? 865 865- <laughs> Martha, you want to get that number out?
2: 855-265-2929.
0: 855-265-2929. I have no idea what just happened in my mouth on that one. How did you do it in math growing up? I was a math teacher. <laughs> um, anyway, oh, that explains a lot, doesn't it? Okay. All right, so get a copy of this book. They can also get a copy, and I'm sure, on your website at bradbright.org.
1: Correct. Okay. You can go there, well, and it'll take you over to the Discover God website where you can actually pick up a copy.
0: Okay. All right. So, But you've got another book that you've written that you really wanted to talk about.
1: Yeah. It's This one is for children. My wife and I wrote this, and it's really, it's the attributes of God for kids. And you say, so what? Well, you know, how many parents do I have come along that I've heard that are friends saying, our kids are teens. What happened? Mm-hmm. I said, well, did you intentionally teach them who God was when they were, you know, five to 10 years old before they hit their teen years? And their eyes kind of like... I didn't know we were supposed to. We took them to church. We reread Bible stories. We prayed. I said, you didn't intentionally teach them the attributes of God. Who is God and why does it matter in the culture we live in, really? So we realized parents don't know how to do this. Our parents don't know how to do this. So we wrote this book based on my dad's book, God Discover His Character, on the attributes of God. But the point of the book is to help you as a parent or a teacher move your child's question from how does that make you feel to how does that make God feel? It gets the focus off the child and onto who is God in very application-oriented mode. And frankly, we had a grandfather call uh, not too long ago. He said, you know, I bought this to read to, my, to, read to my, kid, my grandkids. He said, and it's changed my life. You see, we made it very concrete, so concrete a child could understand it. If a child can understand it, an adult can understand it, too. Mm-hmm. So we found it's not just the children's lives that are being changed. It's great for the whole family. And frankly, as a parent, it makes you look smart.
0: Yeah. <laughs> nice. So they can get a copy of that book also on, I've got a couple of copies to give away today I, I shouldn't be doing this at the end of the show But we'll still give away a couple of copies You can call in 855-265-2929 Drive Todd crazy today 855-265-2929 Get a copy of Because God is Awesome all right, we've talked about so much stuff today. And, and really, but we haven't talked at all about how, <laughs> and I'm running out of time. You're a speaker. You get, you get paid to go and speak to people. And, and I've heard you speak, and it's awesome and inspiring. I mean, do you get to travel the country and speak? Or, or, or
1: how should people get a hold of you to have you come and speak? Uh, you, you, just, you can go to the website. You can go to my website and, and go there. Or you can just you can call us. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to find the number for Campus Crusade for Christ or Crew easy, you know, just go on and call that number and it'll, it'll kick over to my line and just leave a message. We'll get back to you. That's awesome. All, all right. Go well, to the website.
0: All right. So will you come back? Can we have another show and talk about how we can how we can restructure those conversations, how we can reframe the issues and actually have conversations, get it drawn into arguments we can actually talk practical about? I, would,
1: I would love to. I'd love to tell some of those stories. Because I'd the also world- love to tell where I started out when I was going, uh, 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 uh. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> that's
0: where a lot of us are. And we don't want to have arguments with people. We just want to tell people how, how much Jesus has made an impact in our lives. No, you so. want
1: to have a conversation, not an argument.
0: All right. Tomorrow night on the I Work For Him show, Martha and I and our three kids are going to be joining uh, you guys on the the line, on the air, talking about just life running a family business, and uh, we're going to have an open conversation, the five of us sitting around microphones, my son and uh, and his wife, and my daughter, and Martha and I, and maybe we'll even get our foster daughter from Minnesota to call in. It'll be a great conversation, so make sure you listen in tomorrow night. The I Work For Him show is all about purposefully equipping vibrantly effective Christ followers in a workplace, so I want you to sit down and ask yourself this question. Are you a Christ follower? Have you ever come a, to a place in your life where you realized you needed a Savior? And if you, if you want to have a conversation about that, just email me, jim at iworkforhim.com. jim at iworkforhim.com. If you're thirsty for the answers of life, Jesus is going to answer those questions. Just email me, jim at iworkforhim.com. We're Christ followers who own our own business, but ultimately, I work for him. him.